Hey guys, Mike Hill here. This is a special edition of Necromaniacs that coincides with the release of Hellbender by the Adams Family. The following is an interview I conducted with all three members of the family, John, Toby, and Zelda. And uh, it was a lot of fun talking with these guys. We got a pretty good insight into what they're all about. And uh, yeah, I got to say, very interesting people. And I look forward to what they have in store for us all in the future with uh, some other projects that they have in the works. So without any further delay, the Adams family. So, so far I've seen um, The Deeper You Dig, The Hatred, and Knuckle Jack. Okay, so I went, you know, I did a bit of a deep dive of what you guys have as far as like, I know there's other films, but I've seen those three so far. And um, the thing that I appreciate about is the characterization. Um, you know, the way I look at storytelling, sometimes there's like a narrative heavy kind of method of telling the story and then with sort of light characterization. And then there's all, then there's like the, method where you develop the characters and they have these completely fleshed out backstories. And I feel like that's the approach that regardless of the genre that these films take. So one of the questions I have is in the writing process, does the story come first or do the characters come first? Ooh. That's a, That's a new one. See, usually people ask us questions we've heard before. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, Go ahead. Couple answers, because because the character came first in the hatred. Because Zelda said, "I want to let hey dad let's." Uh, Toby was writing a script, and so we didn't really like. But Zelda and I didn't have anything to do, so she was like, "Hey dad, why don't we make a horror movie and see what we think of horror?" And I could go around killing people, and I was like, "Wow, that sounds great!" So we just tried to figure out a way to make that happen. So everything was designed out of that one sentence. Okay. And um, uh, but what? How about the Knuckle other Jack? Um, I would say that Knucklejack kind of was uh, like we had a theme of an idea first like we really wanted to cover like a family theme and just kind of like the nitty-grittiness of you know family and the weird attributes of that and I think like yeah yeah I think that that's true and also like that character is based loosely on a really good friend of mine who's had a a brutal life been right. in jail a lot and had a lot of problems, you know, a lot of problems, but he's a good, he's a good soul. And it's, it's, it's a celebration of broken people, like, because they're good and they try. And it's not like a Disney ending, but it's a beautiful ending because Knuckle Jack finally did something for somebody else. Yeah, yeah there was I'm definitely... Oh yeah, go ahead. There was a development of that character. Like there was definitely an arc in, in his character. You know, like he started off in one place in the beginning as being very self-centered kind of like, but by the end, he's definitely, uh, he's grown and he's moved to a different place, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, thank you. It was fun. And it's also, I think it's also fun because the end, the kid just runs out the door and disappears. And so what's fun about that is like, is there's no thank you, there's no hug, there's no moment of like, oh, no. it's just 
him and himself. And then, and then he goes and he sees this girl and he actually asks her name. <laughs> yeah, after having sex a couple times. Um, yeah, they, right. Yeah, a couple it's times just like... Just and, well, by the way, right. What's your name? <laughs> the, 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 the theme of family, if, aside from the hatred, well, I guess even in the hatred a little bit, the theme of family sort of um, comes up a lot with what you guys. I mean, being a family working together as a family, uh, making films, you know, and you know, I don't know that much about the filmmaking industry, um, but the little bit that I do know is that it is not a very family-oriented environment. So <laughs> uh, I've just done some very, very, you know, very low-level film stuff. So, uh, you know, involving sound and stuff like that, but I see a lot of things. So uh, is it fair to say that family is some is like a big theme that you're probably going to be exploring do you see you see you exploring that in, in future films i know hellbender is going to be coming out i don't know that much about that film per se uh so does that also carry over into the new film as well yeah i think that you worded it really well i think as the family covering family themes comes really natural to us and i i think that we really enjoy it um, and our next film, Hellbender, I think is really family oriented. Um, something about The Deeper You Dig is there's a mother-daughter relationship in that movie. Um, and that was really fun to do. But we realized after making it, you know, I think we could have elaborated more on that relationship between the mother and daughter, had the audience connect to them more and learn more about their relationship and the intricacies of their relationship. So on Hellbender, we sought out to build off of that mother-daughter relationship. So I really think that we have a further developed and like more attached storyline to the mother and daughter in Hellbender. There, <clears throat> there's always some kind of synchronization between what we're going through as a family and, and what is going on in the narrative of our films. Um, in The Deeper You Dig, uh, I was going, I had a, endometrial cancer when we started shooting and we just decided let's just keep shooting and it became it made the story very personal and it sort of I think deepened the narrative about a mother who's losing her daughter you know while I was kind of losing something very personal reproductive life for me um with with knuckle jack John had uh is you know he, he's been sober for what 17 years now and there were issues of addiction in, in, in that movie. Um, with Hellbender, it's about a daughter who's coming in, you know, Zelda was uh, 16, 17 when we shot Hellbender, about a daughter who's really coming into her agency and power. In all of our films, you can kind of find something that's going on with us. And now we're actually, our next movie that we're working on, When the Devil Roams, is about the three of us, a father, a mother, a daughter. So it's really fun. We're really actually just playing a family now. And it's super exciting. Another film in the works already. That's awesome. Always. <laughs> yeah. I like that. It's guys, you guys are almost like a band in some ways. You know what I mean? Because um, you know, most most of my background is in you know music and you know writing and stuff like that. But uh not not no no film, just a little bit of dabbling a few years ago. But um, but yeah, these days it seems like it's unusual, like there's usually big spaces between output from certain writers and directors, filmmakers, but with my understanding, just based on what you said, it's almost like you're in the practice space, working on demos and, you know, writing new material like all the time. And 
And I don't know. I really appreciate that. You know, it's like this can do sort of punk rock like ethic. You know, I think that's awesome. We love to call ourselves and we're not trying to compare ourselves to these, but we call ourselves Black Flag. <laughs> we're, we're always like we're black flag like we're, we're sleeping in a shitty ass hotel like at a festival and it's like you know you sleep like this so you don't get yeah. bugs on the head everyone's like shut up we're black flag get in the van you know and it's, it's really awesome fun. Man. well that, that, made me, that made me appreciate you guys even more because like black flag is like you know one of my sst black flag like that whole aesthetic is something i really you know really resonates with me so that's cool well sst is also our business model so it's like, like it's, it's what SST did. They found people like me and Toby when we were 14 years old from California in a van, they found us with no internet and we found them. And that's a beautiful thing. And we've always had that like work ethic of just do it. And if two people watch it, we succeed. That's, that's a cool, that's a very cool attitude to have about it for sure. Yeah. Uh, so now the only thing I know about Hellbender is that it's a horror film. And there's this cool image of, uh, of Zelda holding this like sigil made out of sticks. Okay. So I'm, I'm making a leap of faith here that this is a film that has to do with like paganism or, or some kind of witchcraft or something like that. So great <laughs> and based on having watched the deeper you dig i think i watched it like well i watched it a couple more times in preparation for this uh there's a lot of themes of like tarot cards and you know the seven circles which has got and i mean the number seven numerologically has got like so many different facets to it do you have collectively or individually any of you have an interest in like the occult or paganism or you know any of that kind of stuff well i i so i had heard from the the your your podcast show on um the deeper you dig that you worked at enchantments and <clears throat> i used to go there a lot in the 90s I, in fact i got my first um i think piece of wiccan uh you know literature there i think it was called Ariadne's needs like Witch's Almanac or I mean, and then for I was trying to teach myself Gaelic and and I so I I had a real curiosity, um, especially in my 20s, uh, uh, about witchcraft. Uh, for Hellbender, we really wanted to try to people it's it's touted as being about a tale of witchcraft, the coming of age tale of witchcraft. We actually only say the word witch in it once. And we kind of leave that up to other people to say, oh, it's about witchcraft. But really we decided that we were gonna <clears throat> come up with our own mythology, our own uh, creation of what this hellbender is, which is a very unapologetic female in form, but not exactly human cross between an apex predator, um, a demon and a witch. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, we, it was really important for us to come up with our own spells our own concept, and that's what we did. That's and awesome. I was a religion major, like in college, so I I studied a lot of like uh, I loved reading religious texts. I'm not a religious person, and I don't really believe in magic except for the magic of life. Like every day, right. I always before I go to bed, put my palms up and say thank you for inviting me because it's just magic, and that's magic. Like that's enough magic for me. 
Um, but we do love in art celebrating those kind of that, like the details of magic. And, and that's the thing, especially with horror movies, you can be so creative and have such fun basically using magic as a metaphor. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that you were, you studied religion. I mean, I'm, I'm not religious at all. Like I'm, I'm an atheist, you know, but uh, I find that really fascinating, just the different cultural similarities between like a lot of different ancient religions and current religions and Christianity and like Zoroastrianism and all this other stuff, you know. So but the, the, the discussion I have frequently with one of my co-hosts about magic is like the, um, you know, who's to say whether or not there's like an actual force that we're manipulating, but in, in a lot of ways, magic really is about if you meditate on some sort of goal or, or intention, and even if it's an internal thing that goes on, you know, that has some kind of meaning, you know, and, and maybe the talismans and burning candles and colors and all this other stuff is like, even if it's just like an internal thing, I think that's, you know, meaningful, you know, I, mean, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily believe in like, you know, hidden cult forces or paranormal stuff or anything like that. You know, that's, that's a whole other discussion really. Well, but the way it applies, to, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, please. I'm going to say the way, the, but the way that that applies to the creative uh, spirit, you know, just accomplishing your goals creatively, that that's like, that's magic as well. You know, I agree with that. Um, one of the fun things that I learned about, like one of my favorite classes was about cults when I was in college. And, and basically the lesson was the reason voodoo works is because people believe in voodoo. So when someone puts a voodoo curse on them, they believe it so much that they just are enforcing themselves with negativity. Plus the community also agree, uh, believes in voodoo. So they like, well, I don't wanna associate with that voodoo curse person. So all these negative things happen because of belief. And that is really cool to me. Like, so it's, if you believe it, it's gonna have an effect. And that, that also translates with, if you believe in positivity, like we're big believers in saying yes. And I think that that helps us accomplish things because it's like the answer is yes, not, oh, I don't know, let me think about it. It's like, do we want to get in the van and drive to the next town? Yes. I was gonna say that's in, that's in line with the SST sort of, uh, you know, you know uh, Ken mode sort of uh, mentality, you know, kill everything now mode, you know, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> exactly, right. <laughs> I, I, I like to, you, the word you use, intention, because I often think about that word, because in that sense that um, if a spell is, is sort of brought forth with really, with extreme intention, I always think that making movies is, is in its own way, a kind of spell casting. Because if you think of the, originally what you might think of as spell, let's think of the witches from Macbeth, you know, you have, fire, fire, tool in trouble, cauldron burn and blah, 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 blah. And you know, and bats, toes, you know, frogs, you know, eye of newts and all that stuff. You're talking about really elemental things that if you probably went down the rabbit hole, you could see some logic behind them. And um, I think in, as far as how we make films, we also make films from a very elemental, simple <laughs> um, foundation. You know, we don't have, have much equipment uh and but we have just dire intention so i feel like every time we make a film somehow we've cast a spell that somehow got out there and worked like you know its own kind of beautiful movie voodoo 
that um, so I really love that you, you were talking about that. Yeah, I mean, that's something I believe in for sure is like meditating on something with intention because, you know, that's how you accomplish goals and regardless of what they are, be they creative or, you know, professional or whatever goals you might have. I think that's the way to, to get that over the fence, really, you know. I should ask this question first, but um, you guys live in the Hudson Valley. Are you natives to that area? We live in the Catskills. Oh, um, okay. I, I did live in the Hudson Valley as a, a kid for a little bit, but we're my family's from the Catskills, and now we live in the Catskills. It's about two and a half hours outside of uh, Manhattan. And the Catskills, you have the west side of the Catskills, where we're from, which is more kind of uh, rough and ready. And then the other side of the Catskills, the east side is like where Hudson is and New Pulse and that kind of like uh, Woodstock. It's a little more upscale, a little more, you know, but we're on the rough and ready side and we love it. Now, did you film Hellbender in this area too? Because I know most of the locations for uh, the deeper you dig were local to where you guys live, right? Yeah, both a lot of the deeper you dig and Hellbender were shot right in our backyard. Um, but with Hellbender, um, we filmed during COVID and I was doing all online school. So we decided to buy a truck and a trailer and travel around America and film our next movie. So I would say like half of it is shot in the Catskills and the other half is shot all around America, especially in the Pacific Northwest, because a lot of the greenery in Oregon and Washington matches the greenery of New York. So that was really fun to use. Have you seen that Ben Wheatley film, A Field in England? Yeah, it's like I felt that the hatred had that same kind of like, like sort of period piece vibe, very, very meditative. Um, that movie sticks out different, like as a, as a different sort of feel than, than the other, at least the films I've seen so far that you guys have done. Um, yeah, there's more like this hallucinatory sort of feel to it. Uh, almost like a uh, kind of weird fiction like vibe to it, you know, uh, what, what was like, but that was what you made right before you, you did uh, the deeper you dig. So that was literally your first foray into the horror genre, right? Sure was. Uh, we so we had made how many four dramas or three? Four. We had made four dramas. We were enjoying it, but we were like we wanted to have a little more fun. Like dramas, you're really locked down, anchored into reality, and we we had a tendency to go towards a little bit on the the sadder, more brutal side. And it was kind of like let's have some fun, let's have some blood, let's see what that's like to make a horror movie. And it was. I think one of the things that we did, I think it was wise, was we didn't try to set out to make some huge feature movie. We set out to make, to do an experiment to see, can we make a movie about hatred? Like, that's the only theme in it. It's just about hatred. It's, it's basically a long, dark poem about hatred. And that way, Zelda and I got to really concentrate on the cinematography and I think like stillness of acting. Also, that was like the first time we ever shot in winter. Um, so I think because of that film, we discovered how much we love shooting in the snow and how that can really translate into the story of a movie. So, and then after learning that and the hatred, we brought that uh, to The Deeper You Dig and to Hellbender. So I think it was a really great learning experience. And another really important thing that we learned from um, the hatred was how wonderful the horror community is. So 
we were really accepted by the horror community. Like they were really cool the way they watched our movie. It was the first time we had an audience that watched our movie and they were fucking cool. And it felt good. And like some people were like, it sucked. You know, I hated that movie, but they watched it and they talked about it and they experienced it. And we were super impressed. And we felt like the horror crowd was our crowd. We, you know, it's, it was really cool. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, I, I, I like that sort of meditative moody, you know, atmosphere, you know, um, you know, also there's a lot of violence in that, which is always good for horror, you know, like good kills, good set pieces, things like that. You know, were you, or collectively or individually, whatever, were you guys interested at all? Like were you horror fans prior to that? I've always loved horror films. And um, actually the very first movie we were gonna write was supposed to be a, a ghost Western. And we actually set out to make our first film rumble strips shooting this ghost Western, but we had modernized it. Um, and while we were traveling around that year, also in an RV, we were having so much fun that we got to a place where like, we just don't want to kill the kids, man. You know, <laughs> so, it, that was, so we kind of then veered away from horror, but I've always loved horror. Yeah, my first horror movie was Phantasm and my favorite horror movie and favorite movie is The Thing. And oh, like, man. you can, Definitely, like we, what we love about the thing, we all love the thing. We can all watch the thing over and over and over because it's a story about isolation and paranoia. And it's so beautifully and like stilly acted, even though it's got some really fun effects. It's kind of like a real blueprint, I think, for beautiful horror. Zelda, anything? <laughs> so Toby showed me Carrie at a really young age. Um, and despite having like nightmares and being up, unable to sleep for a while, after, after a little bit, I realized, wait, I kind of liked watching that movie and like the feeling that it gave me. And then I just kind of became obsessed through there. And ever since I was pretty young, we've, it's kind of been a tradition for us to watch horror movies together. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think we're pretty happy people and somehow it just makes sense making horror films as a way to sort of counterbalance um, the, how we feel in life, which is pretty good. I think horror is a, a really excellent and safe way to exercise your demons and, and kind of live out nightmares, all the things that, that freak you out and creep you out and make you scared and worried. Um, you know, I think horror is healthy. And it's also a way we laugh, we laugh all the time about what we're doing because it's funny, like horror is, I think horror is hilarious. Like I laugh when we're cutting off heads and cutting through arms and talking about we need to hear the bone. It's like it's funny. Like it's I don't know. I <laughs> that might sound weird. But it's not. No, not definitely not on this podcast. It doesn't sound weird. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah okay. no one, no one's people are going to be like, oh, cool, that's awesome. You know, no one's going to like criticize you for that for sure. Not on this podcast. I mean, we really love it when audiences laugh at things we think are funny. Like we know we're sitting in the right auditorium when they laugh at the most bloody, brutal shit, because then we're like, oh, cool. Great. Great. They get it. Like they get that we're down and dirty with this brutal stuff, but it's kind of funny, you know? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, definitely. There, there's a bandwidth of like funny and not funny, though, too, sometimes, you know what I mean? But you can find humor in everything, you know, I think, especially in the horror. So with that said, have you guys done the conventions and fests and all that stuff? You know, have you done all that? And how, how do you just, find uh, conventions? Well, we just recently did the festival circuit with our newest film, Hellbender, and that's been so fun. It truly is one of my favorite parts of the filmmaking process because you get to go to these wonderfully run festivals all around America and get to, and, and the world, and get to see so many other films that are extremely influential. And that's also where you get really constructive criticism about you know what you might have done wrong and what you can do best or what people really liked and what you can continue to do so it's it's such a great experience yeah you um, don't you, you you have a partner mike also right who yes. also, yeah. yeah so what's fun like like when we listen to your podcast we really liked like how in-depth how, how detail-oriented you guys are like when you talked about the deeper you dig it was really a pleasure to listen to you guys talk about it because you picked up on small 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 things that were really important to us and either they worked or they didn't work for you but that's kind of what what we get at festivals the same thing that you gave us in that podcast is like we're listening to people in the audience that really care and they're paying attention to details and these are the things that help us. We want to be, we want to be good filmmakers and we want to learn what people want and what we can give them while still having fun. Yeah. Fests are awesome. I have, I have a lot of fun at those and uh, you, know, you get to meet a lot of people and, you know, check out other great movies too and find out what's coming out and then spend a ton of money on t-shirts and, you know, <laughs> Blu-rays, but yeah, that stuff's awesome. You know? Now, without, without giving too much away about Hellbender, like I said, the only thing I know is that it's a horror film. You know, it's, it's got this cool, like, image, you know, with the sticks and everything. You know, what's the, the, the two-line, like, one-sheet version of what the film is about? You know, the uh, brief summary. You know, I don't want to hear well, it. We don't have to give too much away. Yeah, Hellbender, it's a coming-of-age, it's a coming-of-age tale. Um, for a daughter and a mother, essentially um, facing their true identities, which is not human. And I think something that we really love to explore in Hellbender is whether, like, if your nature is considered evil, but it's your nature, shouldn't you be evil? And it's a really fun question. And it's basically a question that we all ask ourselves probably all the time, not to such a huge extent as being a hellbender, but that's what this movie, that's the fun theme about the movie is, should you follow your nature or should you change your nature? Yeah, that's a really uh, interesting topic that we discuss on the podcast and I discuss like individually a lot of my friends too about um, evil and, and good and these ideas and concepts about that. And I'm assuming that there's some kind of pagan like element to Hellbender, you know, and, and uh, just recently I was reading about um, like European paganism and witchcraft. And there's like the idea of Kernunos, uh, which is like the horned God, you know, and pre-Christianity, that was just a natural element. It wasn't good or evil. 
you know, it was just like part of the world. And that's how the pagans kind of saw, they didn't really look at good and evil. They just looked at what is and certain things being what their nature is. But it wasn't until the Christians came along and assigned good and bad and good and evil and right and wrong and superimposed their ideas about that onto the older religions that good and evil actually became a thing, really. So I don't know, that's, that's always like an interesting meditation to have. Man, I love all that stuff. I'm very, very deeply into like weird fiction and, you know, any like the like Arthur Mackin and the great God Pan and like all that sort of stuff. And that that always kind of informed my my, you know, my my interest in the occult and everything. And uh, I pretty much I seek out a lot of these films that have when, when it seems like it, it delves delves into that world. It's interesting to me, you know. And then based on, you know, the quality of, um, of the deeper you dig, I knew, I know there's going to be an other elements to that that are more relatable to other people too. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I geek out on all that, like, you know, great God pan, like Arthur Mackin and HP Lovecraft and all that stuff. But not every, I realize that's a niche, like that's not everybody. So there's like also like a human element and um, something that's more relatable to people. And um, just going back to the deeper you dig, um, comparing uh, the Kurt character and uh, and Jack, right? There's this. Uh, now, are, are we going to have a broken, sullen, uh, you know, damaged, brooding man in in Hellbender too? <laughs> nope. No. Okay. <laughs> it's a really great question um, because just because, like, you're thinking just like us because. That was the thing. It was like, no broken, we're not doing broken guy in this one. We're doing powerful women in this one. So who do some breaking? They do some breaking. They break okay. some they yeah. Okay. It's like, yeah. So great question because you know, again, that kind of refers back to like listening to your podcast, reading reviews, going to festivals. It's like, you know, you know, what trends are working, what trends aren't working, what trends are we overdoing, you know, and it was like, I think that we decided, you know what, let's not have, let's not march another male out that's brooding and dark. Let's, let's like, let's flip the narrative. People seem to really be interested in a mother and daughter. And that's what we tackled with this. However, I need to just quickly point out that when you talked about the deeper you dig, you really, you really understood what we were trying to get across with Kurt which isn't necessarily that he's an asshole. Like he's not, like he fucks up and he's dark, but you pointed out like, but there's something I like about him. Like there's something that like, I feel sorry for him, or, but it's like, he's looking for love too. And um, that we're real thankful when viewers pick up on those nuances that we think are important. Like we don't want a paper thin character marching out there, you know? Yeah, that, that character, uh, like, I'm not saying I'm like Kurt at all because I haven't murdered anyone or, you know, or, or I'm not a, you know, an abuser of alcohol or anything or, you know, hater of women or anything. But, like, not, not saying that Kurt hates women. He actually doesn't. But but uh, just that loner, like, vibe is something I always I relate to that, those characters a lot. But, um, yeah, there was, a, there was a deep sadness with that character, and um, it made him com complex without actually going into his backstory. Like a lot of that stuff was like in, inferred, you know, like yeah. the way he carried himself, the fact that he's eating alone in some bar, like eating his dinner by himself, like things like that. And the fact that he has the wedding ring on and 
Where's the wife? Yes. What happened to her? Where, where is she? Where, how come she's not with him, you know? And then the house itself, you know, this like dilapidated, he's deconstructing this house and, you know, alone and, but he doesn't plan on staying in it. He's going to flip it. So there's this transient sort of uh, loner, like, you know, very detached, like uh, male kind of thing going on with his character, you know? Yeah. And it's so fun. And, and it's like, what, what finally makes the man a little girl? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, even though it's a dark film, you know, cause that ultimately his, he disintegrates at the end of the movie. Um, right. but you, you can't help but think that there's some kind of peace associated with that too. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I don't know if that was the intention or not, but that was what I got out. There's definitely those, those, I think it's fun when it's not just a 100% intention. That is, that's Toby's writing, which is like one of the things that Toby's really good at when she writes and, and directs is trying to get that complexity of the character. Like she directed me through a lot of, I think the best scenes, like especially like the tarot card reading that she does for Kurt, where he's, he's, uh, he's swaying between himself and being the little girl. Like he's, he's himself, but he's the daughter. He's himself, he's the daughter. And then he goes upstairs cause he's like freaking out. And he, you know, he, he takes a piss like the daughter and then, but then realizes, wait, no, I'm a man. And you know, and it's like, I got to put up the seat. All these intricacies that are like a tug of war between this character are things that Toby is like coming up with. And that's what I, that's, that's what Toby brings to the table is the things that like you're pointing out that you enjoy. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't remember what the, uh, the actual pull of the cards was, but I, it makes me think of like the high priestess though, how she's like standing between these like two pillars, you know, and there's like, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if that was the actual card pull on that or not. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't sure if I was remembering that or I was like sort of like projecting that, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) No, it was the perfect card because she is wearing the veil and she represents that space between two worlds and she has the black pillar and the white pillar and you've got the male and the female thing going on. Um, It was the the perfect card and, and she has to do with female empowerment. Um, and the other cards were, I think, Ten of Swords and um, and uh, the and I think it was the Joker as well. Um, I'm not sure I got that third right card right. It's been a while, but you know, Mike also something. Oh, the fool. The fool. Thank you. Yeah, not the Joker. The fool. Yeah. Um, actually, it wasn't in another scene. We used the fool. In this one, it was um, the one in chains. Uh, you know, where the 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 devil card. Oh yeah. Okay. Right. Right. Um, But, you know, similarly to Hellbender, we also wanted to create our own mythology of the the seven circles as well. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, symbolism, like you said, with seven and, and these kind of other worlds and purgatories that people are familiar with. And we kind of wanted to do our own spin on that about this halfway place where Echo is lingering and that the mother having formerly had really good psychic prowess has to tap back into be able to be able to find her in these seven circles. That was so much fun writing the poem about it. Um, the scene with the psychic, her, her former student, that stuff was really cool. And, and tarot really helped us tap into just psychology itself and that the cards can be um, manipulated and used to influence 
and bring out what's going on in people's lives so beautifully. And that helped us narrative wise, instead of saying what's going on, often we could use the cards and their symbolism to help eke out what was going on. And cinematically, we were also kept uh, tethered to the ground because the seven circles are the seven stages of grief. So we were, we were like, that helped us because we knew what we had to film. It wasn't just like some random shit, like, oh, let's just be psychedelic on every single thing. Like it is like each thing was like, <clears throat> like when she swallows the snake, it's a symbol, it's a denial, but she, she's being forced knowledge. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, that was fun cinematically that we had to um, visualize the seven stages of grief. All right, so, you know, I watch your movies. Obviously, you guys aren't some people who just like picked up a camera and just started going crazy and filming stuff. Uh, so where, where does the experience come from? You know, because everything I've read, it's like, oh, we're, we're outside the industry. We do this, you know. But there has to be some background in filmmaking. So, how, you know, who in this, out of the three of you, <laughs> has that kernel of experience. So where does that come from? You know, like who, who started doing, doing this stuff, you know? Well, you know, I, I come from the acting world. So I was um, a theater, you know, I was a theater major in college. And then I went on to do a lot of off-Broadway and regional theater and then television and film on a, from an acting standpoint. And we had moved to California because John was doing a, um, a reality show on the Fuse channel called Rock and Roll Acid Test. And he was kind of there sort of stunt man with he was really kind of digging being in that um, atmosphere and I used to love that I was on a soap for three years in the 90s and I was on many films and other tv shows um, so we both had kind of a point of view of what um, the industry was like but from a performer standpoint and then um, we moved to California and when I hit 40, I, just the roles were waning. I just was sitting around twiddling my thumbs and complaining a lot. And John's like, you know, maybe we should write our own script, you know, and, and let's make our own movies. And why do we wait for others when we can do it ourselves? And that's what we did. And that's how we made our first film. So we were kind of these know nothings who got a camera, had a few, you know, tutorials from friends and we just took off in an RV for a year and we figured it all out and shot our first film. And the kids wanted to act. Oh, wow. So so there was no technical, like technically on the technical end, as far as like shooting and editing and all that stuff, you just learned that all on your own, basically. The kid right? from Pakistan taught me how to edit on YouTube. And wow. he was great. He's like, you know, here's how you download, you know, it's just like, I followed this kid, I just watched and, I think he was probably 13 years old, didn't speak super great English, but he was good and simple and he taught me how to edit. And this was on Final Cut Pro. Like this was, so once I learned Final Cut Pro, um, then I moved to Premiere. Yeah, but, Premiere is what everyone uses these days, yeah. yeah. But I mean, honestly, it was this wonderful kid from Pakistan that hooked me up with some great, like I think three different tutorials and I was off to the races. And I you, have, you have a, a, I'm sorry, go ahead. Pardon me. Yeah, and we were traveling through San Fran. We had just bought basically the, the uh, computer and, and software and we're like, hey, my friend from college is an editor. Can you meet us for three hours in, you know, Marin? 
and uh, give John a tutorial in a hotel room? Yes, he did. He told me like, he's like, this is your card. This is your card reader. You oh, wow. you know, it, was like, it was great. People were super kind to us. And something that's really cool, I just want to say real fast is, you know, we were learning and totally naive. And so were the kids. Zelda was six and Lulu, our older girl, was 11. And, um, and we were all learning and failing together. And it was it's something, there's something beautiful about being, about knowing nothing because you go in kind of fearless, you know, you're just like, what the fuck do I have to lose, you know? And you really have everything to gain because now we've made seven features. It's, it's a great point that she just made. If we had known how ignorant we were, we definitely would never have done it. Like, and we were in a bubble, like we were driving around in this old RV. So it wasn't like we could say to somebody, hey, what do you think of this edit? And in fact, when we thought we were done with our first movie, we had some friends who actually were from the industry. And we were like, could you watch our movie and just like give us a couple thoughts? And they sat silently and watched it. And then the, the lady turns to me and she's like, what's the plot? And I was like, what's a plot? <laughs> <laughs> and it was really funny. So then we had to do voiceover. Once she explained what plot was, it was like, holy shit. <laughs> so, and then we had a voiceover, a whole lot of shit. And it worked. Like, like it's our first movie is this tender little, like. It's beautiful. And her husband's it's very French, which was a polite way of saying there were a lot of pauses. <laughs> it was too long and too slow. That's funny. But didn't didn't I read somewhere that one at least one of you had some kind of like like painting or art or visual art background or design or something like that? That's my painting. Yeah, okay, all right. I guess that's what I was getting at. Is like the the like when I look at the film, like the way everything looks and the framing and how things are, you know the aesthetic quality to it is like, I mean, when I, if I try to film something, you know, it doesn't, it looks terrible. You know what I mean? It doesn't have, it's not centered or there's some weird angle or something like that. But I mean, what always comes to mind from, um, from the deeper you dig is like some of the shots with the rain and the snow and all that stuff and the, the light from the car. And there's like such like this aesthetic, you know, it's a horror film through and through, but there's also this very uh, beautiful like aesthetic to it, which adds like a whole other layer to the appreciating the film, really, you know, liking the film. So that's where it comes from, though, is like, I guess, your, your background with painting and art, right? Yeah, I think, I think, yes, uh, I love painting. I think I learned, I didn't study painting, I'm self-taught painting, but I think I've learned of, of years and years of painting of how to frame a, a painting, you know? Yeah. And it's like, and, but what's really interesting is if you watch our movies, they're set, they're very still. They're like, everything gets done in still. There's not a lot of like zoom ins and zoom outs and across right. here and all this kind of stuff. Until Zelda, as she grew as a filmmaker, she brought her own ideas. And she was like, after the deeper you dig, she was like, we need to like move these cameras more. Like I want more, I want more of that. So she's bringing this whole other um, cinematic aesthetic that I love. And so Hellbender had so much more movement in it than the deeper you dig and the hatred had no movement because yeah. it was just me and a little kid filming. So it was only solid shots. 
but um, now our net, our the movie that we're working on now, now it's like one of our goals is to flow, to move the entire movie moves from one frame to the next as the story moves, the movie moves. Like so, we're gonna hope not to have much. Like we'll still have some still shots. But like, we're learning that too. Like now we're learning that together because now we got a young teacher who's coming along and saying, hey, we gotta, we gotta move, you know? And it's really exciting. Oh, by the way, congratulations, Zelda. I saw you, you were recognized for your, your work in, in, uh, in, in Hellbender. So that, that's oh, pretty yeah. awesome. Thank yeah. you so much. I really <laughs> appreciate it. Yeah. Um, now you guys really are like a one-stop shop when it comes to you know, acting, writing, filming, editing, and music, like the score. Okay. And you guys have scored the films, all of the films, right? Like any, even including the new one. So, Correct. you know, what's up with that? Like who, who, you know, do you guys play, who plays instruments? Everyone? Do you have a band? Like that kind of thing. Yeah. So we have a band that's also called Hellbender. Um, but all the E's are sixes. So that's kind of the difference. Six, six, six. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we've always made music together because uh, John's a great musician. He's been in bands for a long time. Used to be in the, you know, rock scene. And so I grew up as a drummer. And then in recent years, I've kind of been more intrigued by like singing. So right now, Toby and I are like the singers of our band. And John... Uh, creates this wonderful music and our entire soundtrack for Hellbender is by us and I would say it's like mixed alternative yeah and uh, we're actually going to be releasing the soundtrack really soon with a bunch of extra songs that just didn't make it into the movie is there you guys have a band camp or you know any kind of uh you know, online presence or something like that we're on a we're on Spotify and Apple Music and YouTube and okay. we've made some music videos and making these music videos, we were like, wait, we should make a movie that's kind of just an expansion of these music videos because it's so fun to do and we have all this music. Let's let's put it to use. Yeah, the, the video that's on YouTube called Black Sky mm -hmm. um, by Hellbender uh, was what inspired us to make Hellbender the movie and like you'll see when you see Hellbender because we're sending you the movie um you'll see you'll you'll if you watch the video and then watch the movie you'll be like oh oh my god that's hilarious you know it's you'll you'll get it very quick yeah wow that's cool that's interesting I, I didn't realize there was a video so that's I have to watch that for sure like before I check out the film yeah yeah so we they, like we were originally called Hellbender with all E's and then there was, we found out there was like a couple other bands called Hellbender and there's a salamander called the Hellbender that like just comes up on everywhere. So we changed it to sixes. So at least we'd hit the top of the search engine. <laughs> yeah, I, I can think of at least two other bands in Hellbender without the sixes. So yeah, it's a good thing to change. Exactly. So that's why we, we thought it was so original until like we posted our video and we're like, damn it. <laughs> are, there, are there any plans on releasing the score for, uh, for Deeper You Dig? Because that score had more like an ambient sort of like, you know, droney kind of vibe to it, which is something I like a lot. That's super nice of you to ask that. And um, as of yet, 
we don't have a plan, but we are, we have been, people have asked a lot about the hatred and um, the deep you dig. So there will be a release of all that stuff for sure. I just got to put it together. It's like I'm putting one foot in front of the other. And now we're working on the soundtrack to When the Devil Roams. So it's like, um, and, and that's really exciting too, because I think we're like musically, we're all coming together in a really beautiful way. Like her voice, her backup vocals, and I'm, I'm writing music that's that works better for them, but still I have fun, still got that like super heavy feel. But um, I think we're really coming together as a band. You know? mm -hmm. What kind of music do you guys like? I see, uh, you know, Toby, you got the Black Sabbath t-shirt on, uh, you know, you're, you're a heavy metal fan, you know, like Zelda, what do you, do you, what do you listen to, John? What do you like? I know you like Black Flag. So what's up with your, your musical tastes? It's so nice because I've really grown up on their music. So we really share a lot of the same music taste. Um, and I think I love pretty much every genre, listening like to System of a Down, to Courtney Barnett, to Elliot Smith. It's really a variety of everything, so. Yeah, definitely for me too, it's a variety of everything. I was a punk um, growing up, but actually Toby and Zelda have turned me on to so many different types of music from, you know, she's a Nick Cave fan and, you know, she turned me on to Billie Eilish. So it's kind of like, if it's good, it's good. If it sounds good, it is good, right? Toby? Oh yeah, yeah, I love it. I'm, I'm a big, I like a lot of bands with black in the name. Yeah, Black Sabbath, Black Flag, Black Keys. Um, black I Cobras. Do, I do love Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Um, I love Tom Waits. I love a lot of funky stuff, you know, like um, from the 70s. I love Sarah Vaughn. Uh, yeah, it, it's, pre it's pretty, pretty broad. Uh, Queens of the Stone Age, I'm a huge fan of. So now this is uh, going to be coordinated with the release on Shudder. So I just wanted to talk briefly about, um, you know, how that your, your relationship with Shudder came about, because that that's I mean, that's one of the best things that could have happened to horror fans across the world, really. You know, so. Oh, yeah, it is weird. To, so I wanted to say tickled pink. It didn't sound very horrific, but we're tickled pretty damn pink. Tickled red. Tickled red, blood red. Blood in the snow. Blood in your milk, um, pink. Uh, yeah, so we, when we were just finishing editing Hellbender, we wanted to, we knew we loved the Fantasia Film Festival, which is where we premiered the DPU Dig. We are just like gobsmacked in love with, with those, the people at that, fe <coughs> that festival. And so um, we sent it there to them to, to see what they would think. And then they liked it and we knew we were gonna have our premiere there. And we thought, well, you know what? Instead of doing the waiting to go through the festival scene ourselves, which is what we usually do, maybe we, we should see if somebody's, if there's a sales team interested in the film now. Because the deeper you dig, kind of did the festival circuit on our own, most of it on our own. And then we were picked up by MPI and Dark Sky Films. Um, and we thought, you know, we love this company, Yellow Veil Pictures. They have a lot of really cool films like, uh, like Honeydew, Harpoon. Um, they just have a lot of cool stuff. And, and something told 
told us that maybe these people should take a look. And so we sent it to them and we just hit it off right away. And so they procured, procured the deal with Shutter. And the thing that we loved was that Shutter right away was like, we love these guys and we love that they're a family. It wasn't just the film itself. It was the fact that they really got that we are this strange little um, filmmaking band of misfits. And they talked to us like a family and that was important to us. We wanted to, we wanted to work with people that just talk to us with what we are, which is a small family that loves doing this. And they're incredibly nice. I'm a huge fan. I remember when, I, I think I've been subscribing to them since they've existed because I just, it was exactly what I was looking for. I was like, man, where can I go to find like cool horror movies and only horror films? So yeah, I've, I've been subscribing to them since like, as soon as I found out about them. So that, that's a really huge thing. It's going to, a lot of people are going to see the film and um, I'm looking forward to, you know, spreading the word with everyone, you know, that should be. Well, thank awesome. you. Yeah, we have to say, one, we were ecstatic. Like, there was a couple kind of offers that came through, but the Shutter one, when they said Shutter's making an offer, it was like, oh, we want that because their viewers are informed. Like, we feel like Shutter viewers are going to enjoy this movie. Like, they're a certain kind of horror watcher. And yeah. so when Shutter, when Shutter rolled up, we were like, oh, please, we want to get on that boss. They're, they're everything about them, their fans, their viewers, and their business model is perfecto. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Uh, it was, I had a great time talking to you. And um, yeah, congratulations on the film. Um, I can't wait for everyone else to see it. Thank, Thank you. you so much for having us. It's super generous. Of thanks. You. Yeah, and I'm going to send you the screener. And we'll, awesome. Uh, I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to it. All right, guys, take care. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Don't you run too far. This is who you are. Can you rip the chain? Oh, you. Hey. Crawling through the bones.